0: Seymour Wiener, Jasmine Phoenix, Horace Kroon. To close out the first 12 pack of episodes of the Zone of Truth, this week we dive into the mind of the driving force behind these iconic personas and more. He's the GM you wished you had corrupting the characters in your home game, Griffin Norman. We creature feature the Wraith of Hergstag, see the return of our Keeping It PC segment, and of course answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth.
1: And we're back. We're back, and it's my episode today. I know my fucking episode. It's
0: nice to be back in command here. Be back in the captain's chair. I I I felt very insecure. Giving I kind of liked that role reversal a little
1: bit last time. It worked. I had some I,
0: fun with it. I got to say, finish your drinks. That was cool. Yeah, that was fun. You. Not got, everybody can say that. You got to say
1: later. Later. Yeah. And we're back. <laughs>
0: It worked out well. I had fun with that. We'll have to do that again
1: sometime. Yeah, was pretty fun.
0: We should have more uh, more features than me. People really responded well to that. Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. they did. They did. Yeah. yeah. In terms of downloads,
0: I don't know. Actually, it was our second highest download day of all time, so you could shut your mouth. <laughs> Bullshit. No, it was. I promise it was. Anyway, we got so much to talk about, Griffin. I know we've joked before about like a Zone of Truth drinking game where every time I'm concerned about time, you got to drink. But I, I, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have to because we have so much to talk about. It's it's a gorgeous day outside. We've got a lot to do tonight. There's a lot going on.
1: But Griff, what are you drinking today, man? You tell me, buddy. You just poured me this. Steve Steve brought us a 750 milliliter bottle of uh, stout. I believe it's a Founders,
0: right? Yes, sir. So when I was home last week, I was back up in Chicago visiting the folks, and uh, a family friend gave them a couple big old bottles of beer, and when I came back to Columbus, my uh, my parents gave them to me. So this is a Founders CBS. It's an imperial stout brewed with chocolate and coffee aged in maple syrup, bourbon barrels. Let's go ahead and give this a try, Griff. Yeah, for sure. It's a thick-looking beer.
1: Ooh, yeah. Oh, That's boy. heavy. That's heavy for a summer day. I like it. I like it <laughs> a lot. I'm glad you saved the stout for my episode because um, if yeah. I'm going
0: to drink a beer, it's going to be a stout. I know you're a stout guy when you got to drink the beers. Yeah, This one's 11.2%, so should get us going good. Let's get weird. Absolutely. Uh, but before we get weird, can you tell me why I'm staring down the
1: barrel of a webcam? Oh, Dude. Tonight's going to be a big night, man. Yeah. Uh, I know people are going to listen to this in the future, and this will already have happened, but tonight, for our Patreon Rum and Coke subscribers and up, I believe, uh, we're- I think it's Whiskey Neat. Is it Whiskey Neat? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever 10 is. Yeah, whatever 10 is. <laughs> we are kind of pivoting and for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we love doing it. We've been doing a Discord- We call it Drunken Discorderly. We do a a chat, video chat live with the fans, with the folks that are subscribed to that tier. They get to ask us questions. We shoot the shit. We listen to an episode, and we play the drinking game because, as you guys know, we release a drinking game for every episode. Changing it up this time. We're going to be streaming this bad boy on Twitch. Yes. So not only will you get to hear us,
0: uh, drinking and joking and being uh, the general degenerates that you've come to know and love, but you'll be able to see us do it live. And what does that mean? That means accountability for you the drinks. You get hold us accountable for how many
1: drinks we've drank. Yeah.
0: We owe it to you. That's true. You know what? We, got it. we owe it to the fans. Yep. They they expect a standard of drunkenness the that we have to provide. Drinking. Absolutely. If this was all fake,
1: you just throw in the towel. <laughs> Well, now they'll know for sure. going they <laughs> see me
0: crack into my like eighth can of hams in the drunken disorderly. That's uh. Start to lean back heavily. <laughs> I, don't, I don't keep the microphone on the stand. I have to hold it to my mouth because I move too much because I get way too drunk during this. <laughs> it's a good time, though. However, I'm excited for that tonight. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to hang out with some of some of the, the
1: best people in the world. You know uh, what I'm looking forward to, dude? What are you looking forward to? I believe this releases... The Monday before episode 50. Oh. And I just can't wait for you to drink that nasty hams Or that nasty natty.: Yeah.
0: I, I checked it out this, uh, this morning when I came over. Um, it's in the back of the fridge, has been there for a long time. There's a multitude of dents in the cans, so I'm expecting a, like a botulism
1: situation. The cans lived in three fridges.: Yep.
0: <laughs> I made a promise. I gotta keep it. It's gonna be bad. Yeah, I know yeah. it will
1: be. I'm I'm excited to see your face. I'll probably take a sip just so that if you contract a deadly disease, at least we go down together.
0: But. thanks, bud. <laughs> they died as they lived,
1: <laughs> drinking natty, <laughs>
0: drinking natty, <laughs> mm, natter days. Uh, natter days are for the boys. <laughs> um, uh, definitively not. That, that drink's terrible. Anyway, I got to get the Sirenscape started. You okay with that, Griff? Yeah, what are we playing? All right, you don't have a choice. I just downloaded a fresh sound set. This one is called Hell. And you know what? I thought it was weird that in the subset there was a bathhouse. So that's what we're going to listen to. Hell's Bathhouse. Uh, That's appropriate for my feature, I suppose. I think so. And kind of just to lean right into that. Because like I told you guys in the beginning, we got a lot to cover. I want to talk. We we don't have a, a character for you to feature on the show that you know the, the folks at home have been you know grown to know and love like well, we every Matumbe other character Lube. besides you. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but there you know it's it's that's a whole another thing. So we're rolling straight into our keeping it PC segment, and we thought it would be really special since you don't have a Matumbe or an Eclipse or an Ikmer to uh, you can. You, we're, we'll talk through two of your characters from the Return of the Rune Lords game because your first one died, and that was Kyron. Kyron. Tell me about, first of all, who is this character? Race, class, alignment, archetype maybe. And then once we're through that, let's start talking about who he actually is and how you came up with him. Sure. So Kyron
1: was a tiefling gloomblade fighter, which is from the new Planar Adventures, I guess, splat book. Really cool archetype. It's a fighter that manifests their weapon as kind of from the shadow plane as a shadow weapon and they immediately gain proficiency or they can, they can immediately summon anything they have proficiency with so as a fighter they have all martial weapons all simple weapons I ended up taking uh, exotic weapon proficiency butchering axe so that I could summon a shadow butchering axe but just a, a really cool archetype I highly recommend it. it makes a fighter very versatile it's really cool yeah, you're not, you're not tied to the weapons you pick up. Yeah, and you end up eventually being able to swift action change the weapon. So you can go from like clobbering something with a greatsword to then, you know, changing to a spear or something. So you have brace. So the next enemy that's coming at you, charging at you, you get an attack of opportunity. The utility there is so awesome. And the flavor is really cool, too. Yeah, so Chiron made it to level five, I believe we were we had almost hit level 6 yeah uh, and his character was played by Dalip Singh he's um he used to be a wrestler oh, god i can't remember what his uh wrestling persona was the the great kali i don't know
0: enough about to, re- to about wrestling to say no but i think that's right yeah he was also in like get
1: smart with um steve carell yeah with steve carell yeah. he was the he's he's the giant um The giant dude. Kyron was like 6'8 or something. (laughs) I built him with a heavy armor focus. So he actually, uh, Gloomblade gives up heavy armor. Uh, He had medium armor, but he had so much natural armor for being a tiefling. And uh, Tim, our GM, let me roll on the tiefling, like the 1 to 100 racial traits. And it was another plus 1 to natural armor. So he started the game at plus 3 natural armor insane and I kind of built him from there but you rolled something else on the table right I did uh and this was this was my favorite flavor it was his appearance his horns I think yep and And you flavored them how (laughs) well I flavor them as like moose antlers yeah (laughs) because I I rolled horns other Mm -hmm. and obviously moose isn't on that table I I can't understand why I just figured okay he has moose horns that's so funny but yeah six foot eight probably uh seven foot eight with his moose antlers
0: nice and uh and and, and so so why did you pick this class how did, how did you find it
1: i know you said it was out of player event or planar adventures uh if i'm being honest i picked a fighter and i wanted a, a little bit more versatile fighter i think fighters get a lot of flack for not yeah. being versatile there are a lot of things especially with some of the later stuff that Paizo has released that make fighters fairly versatile. Yeah, A lot of times you feel like you have to take a feet chain and you go down a path. And while that is true sometimes, with like advanced weapon training and that kind of stuff, you can end up being something like an iron caster, which actually lets you get some casting because you get use magic device really high. I was building towards a dimensional dervish build. So I was going to kind of use that shadow movement. Uh, I would have eventually gotten shadow step Mm-hmm. And been teleporting behind people, and then would have been able to full full attack at way later levels out of a teleport. Yep. So it's like pounce.
0: And so um, you're, you're you're talking about just like showing up on people and just full attacking. That reminds me, you and Chris, our, our other buddy that's playing in the Return of the Rune Lords game, you guys tied your backstories a little bit together. We did. Yeah. Um, you want you want to tell me about Kyron's backstory and how he fits into the grand adventure? So.
1: I wanted, I, I always like starting a campaign at least very close to one other player mm-hmm. in the game. Is is that how you usually play? Because no. I, haven't, I haven't played a ton with you as a player. That's how I like to play. Yeah. I like to kind of tie myself to someone else. Sure. Just because it makes the role play better, in my opinion, and it kind of lets you tag team flesh out your backstory while being a little bit more inclusive because it's not one-on-one with everybody. It's... 2 on one and you kind of get a group conversation happening
0: and i I feel like when you start a campaign with a couple people knowing each other or i'll all like this one we all started in the same town so we at least had some familiarity yeah you know if if we're not putting this out to the world you know we're not trying to tell a story for all of you listeners at home with our Rune Lords campaign so we can do away with some of the exposition that we just kind of suck up time at the beginning
1: but yeah my character and chris's character actually ended up being half-siblings. We didn't know this. Uh, So Kyron was... He was named Kyron Driftwood. Mm -hmm. Driftwood, he was called because he showed up to Roderick's Cove on a piece of driftwood at two years old. No idea where he came from, who he was.
0: And see, that's why I always thought you originally cast him as Moses, but then changed that up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, hashtag Bible jokes. So he shows up on shore. It it turns out in his backstory and what I had written, he was the son of a uh, pirate captain from Tianja, and she had been unsuccessful at being a pirate for a long time. Decided to make a deal with an Oni, and mm-hmm. in, in order to make her plunder more profitable, make her more capable at attacking merchant ships, that kind of thing. She made this deal and unbeknownst to me was impregnated by Marco, the other player's dad Mm -hmm. with twins. Yeah. And Kyron was tainted by the Oni. So he's Oni spawn.
0: And and Anoni for those of you who listening who don't know is. Well, it is basically
1: a um it's kind of like the Tianja slanted demon. It's like so, a, it's basically
0: like an Asian flavored de- yeah, like exactly, demon or devil. Exactly. And yeah. and
1: they're they're more powerful at certain things. I think they're more um a little bit more le- legalistic and kind of brutal than yeah. a lot of other demons. Um And I always mix it up. I think it's demon. I never get demon or devil right. It's the lawful slant. So he would go to hell. I think
0: that would be a devil.
1: Oh, devil? Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Either way. He was an Onispawn tiefling, which granted him certain bonuses, but I kind of wanted him to have that. Didn't grow up in Tianja, but kind of had the Tianja flavor to him. And I, I ended up, so back to the question of, why I picked him in the yep. first place. I wanted to play a fighter because I've been running this game for almost a year now. And and I feel like in certain respects, running a podcast game takes even more effort and prep than a normal game because I, I don't have the luxury of constantly looking stuff up and being like, hey, I mean, I know you guys would be patient with me if I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Like I need to look this up. Wait a minute. I you know I need to turn this page. And I feel like I have to be really on when we're recording. And you you know, I don't do a lot of that. No. You make a lot of shit up. (laughs) (laughs) So coming from there, I really wanted to be a player and I really didn't want to have to think, you know. Wizard, cleric. I know I know that's the classic, hey, the GM goes, plays in another game, and they're the wizard and they're controlling everything, or they're the cleric and they have all the spells in the world and they know how to use them. For me, I just really wanted to like chill out and this be able vacation, to RP. It's, it's with a
0: vacation you for you. Exactly. Take it easy.
1: And so for me, a fighter was a nice break because I felt like we roleplay well enough where you would you guys would allow the fighter to RP. Yeah. And And I had good connections with the party, and when it came to combat, I didn't have to think about shit. I just Mm -hmm. charged up, smashed (laughs) with my butchering axe. 3D6 plus whatever the fuck. And now, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but we did discuss the death of Kyron on this show. Uh, Briefly, I think. So Kyron was killed by a giant fish... Um, hit us up on Discord. Tim knows the actual name of the creature. Mm-hmm. He jumped into the water to clear a rudder for a ship. And after GMing for a while, I, I refused to metagame in these games because I kind of know the flow of what this stuff is going to mm-hmm. be. You know you're going to get attacked in the water, but Chiron still took all of his armor off so he would be a better swimmer and that kind of thing. Not that he wouldn't have been able to swim with his armor, yep. but it dropped his AC from like 27 down to 20. Yep, he got hit, forty points of damage at level five, took out most of his health. He was sitting on like ten health, eleven health, and the thing grabbed him to swallow him whole. And then the rest of the party jumped in, and Chiron, being kind of the the meat shield protector of the party that he is, I mean, think of like an Ikmer, but if Ik wasn't stupid, <laughs> 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 he. Uh, Instead of attempting to escape the grapple with the rest of his party in the water, he manifests a pick and, like, swings it into the thing's eye. Use my bottle cap, got a water, pe- Underwater, piercing damage. Crit him. Hell yeah. Uh, did some ridiculous amount of damage, more than half of the creature's HP, but it swallowed me whole. And I think in the creature's tactics, it was like, okay, it swims away after it's been dealt X amount of damage, so it swam it's away. just a hungry fish. That's simple. Yeah. So Kyron got nabbed, but I will say but, that Kyron is the first, mm-hmm. the first character I've ever played that's died. How'd that make you feel? I was bummed. Cause yeah. I, I had a lot more backstory even beyond like this kind of stuff that I had prepared with Tim. Mm-hmm. And I put a lot of effort into him because I knew like, the stuff that doesn't wear me out is the backstory stuff. Like I, yeah. you know, I don't really want to be like super tactical in combat when I'm trying to take it easy and chill.
0: Now I, I, I like, I like Kyron a lot as a character. He, like we, you know, for, for the multitude of points we covered in the last 10 minutes or so, he brought a lot to the table. He allowed you to chill a little bit, but also play a lot with this really interesting backstory and just be a character who was very memorable. He died in the show. However, you know, death is a, uh, as as uh, a Mwangi friend of mine likes to say, death is not defeat. So, you know, we've had a couple a couple interlude. I I shouldn't say interludes, but just flashes to the boneyard of, of, of Kyron yep. getting judged. A little Pharasma action. Yeah. You know we I'm did.
1: into it. We did, so Tim really kind of let me have at it, and we had two flashes, one that was completely scripted by me not even run by him and then one that he riffed off of that afterwards and i basically had kyron wanting to go to hell because he needs to meet his dad so that's where i left it and i think that's the last we saw of kyron so far well the then game. then tim pulled the like you're going to hell, not because you asked me to, mm-hmm. but because your soul is bound to it. Yep. Yep. Which was cool.
0: I can't wait to see what happens with Kyron in the future. He's dead, but he's not gone. Um, I think there's a lot more story to be told. However, that combat that we talked about, that fish combat where good old Kyron died and passed away, that actually happened pretty early on in an or ep- er, I. Jesus, I almost said episode. That's what I said. You've been calling it the show,
1: too. It's not a show. This
0: is what I said. This is what I said from the beginning. I said from the beginning, we should have been recording Return of the Rune Lords because it's been so much fun and so cool. However, I digress. The beginning of our session. I mean, what? He he died like 20, 25 minutes in. He
1: died 10 minutes in.
0: And we have we play for a lot longer when we're off mic, you know, three, four hours at a pop. Yeah, that was going to be a long session of you sitting out. But you didn't want to sit out, did you?
1: No I had a well I actually didn't have a backup character specifically for this campaign mm-hmm. but I did have another character that I played in a one shot that Haley ran that I really enjoyed playing. And so
0: by the end of the session within a session a character had died you made a character while everybody else kept RPing and Pulled and
1: Tim into the other room was like this is how I'm bringing
0: him in. And then by the end of the session you debuted him and who is this character?
1: That would be Garrity O'Leary. Hmm. Garrity O'Leary. <laughs> Garrity is a pretty cool character. I told mm. Tim I was going to punish him for killing my non-optimized character. Oh, yes. So Your non-optimized
0: character with 27 AC.
1: Yeah. By bringing in something a little more deadly. Okay. So, Garrity is a dampier Inquisitor of the Black Butterfly. Okay. That is Desna's Shadow. So, I'm going to need a couple things from you. I'm going to need you to tell the fans what a Dampier is, and I'm going to need you to talk about the Black Butterfly. Okay. So, Dampier is a the half-vampire race. Mm-hmm. So, Garrity is basically from the blood of a human and a vampire mating, created Sexy. him. Uh, the black butterfly is—is is, is, is he undead? Kind of. Okay. There's parts that are, parts that aren't. He's healed by negative energy and harmed by positive energy. He resists all ability drain and level drain, mm-hmm. which would have been really great for you guys to have in your party lately. Uh, <laughs> but, but sunlight—sunlight sure sunlight bothers he. him. Like yep. sunlight bothers him. He gets—he um, gets dazzled in yep. bright sunlight. He has to take precautions. Obviously, he can't heal with the rest of the party, so he kind of, as an Inquisitor, has taken Inflict Light Wounds, and he has his um, wand of Inflict Light Wounds and that kind of thing. Sure. So, the Black Butterfly is Desna's shadow. Okay. It is kind of, and it's in Starfinder as well, it's like a, a representation of a kind of, like, if desna is the stars the black butterfly is the space between
0: i do love that
1: and so the black butterfly actually although some domains it has are the shadow domain and stuff that desna does not have follows similar beliefs to desna and so it's like you know travel and that kind of stuff and luck and those things so, he worships the Black Butterfly because he's from Nadal. And in Nadal, that, that entire area is ruled and has been ruled by Zankuthon. Who is a, a god and pathfinder who you worship him by torturing folks and harming yourself and harming stuff. Harming yourself, yeah. He's a pretty bad dude and he's kind of like a fallen god. hmm And fallen in the sense that he fell from his original beliefs. He uh he was i can't remember if i think he's Sh- Shalen's brother yeah Shalen's right? yeah. brother and he was a he was a good god and was corrupted there's a there's a wicked wicked
0: uh piece of art that i believe is in the Inner Sea Gods book um it's like a two page spread with Shalen and Zan Kuthan, like facing off against each other and it's really cool oh yeah we Just kind of a side plug for go to inner sea gods. Look up this photo. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. Zankuthan reminds me of, and I think he's supposed to, because I think like Khitans worship him and stuff, Mm -hmm. but Hellraiser. Like he's Hellraiser. Yes. Yes. So there is uh, an establishment called the Umbral Court in Nadal. Okay. And his vampiric mother is a part of the Umbral Court, the governing body of Nadal. He was an Umbral, I think they're called like Umbral agents or Umbral assassins or something, trained by the Umbral court to basically defend and, and work in secret in Nadal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he defected. And the only other, like, if you're going to defect from Zonkuthan, you go to Desna, because they are antitheses of each other. Yep. And he didn't feel he'd go all the way. So he is a part of a revolution called the Whispered Song in Nadal. And it's where uh, Desna worshippers are secretly resisting and rebelling against the the Umbral Court and uh, the Zan-Kuthan-ruled nation. And they have to do it in secret. And he took up the Black Butterfly because he is a trained umbral assassin and he's actually the umbral stalker inquisitor archetype so he jumps into combat and what happens well he is ranged and um in darkness which is great for a dampire in darkness anything that can't see fully in darkness he is invisible to it because he's taking the darkness subdomain so he can do that for 14 rounds a day only fourteen. Only fourteen well, <laughs> two round increments, so I can you know, he'd only really do it seven times, but it lasts for two rounds. Um he uh, obviously rocks the bane, the rapid shot, the um but he Umbral Stalkers are cool because they get the stalking judgment, which allows him at this level, I think, to add four to his attacks against anything that can't see him.
0: That's absurd. So like things without dark vision, he's yep. just crushing. Yep. Bane damage and everything. Bane damage
1: yeah. plus 4 to hit, plus 4 to damage. And they want to return? They can't they, they they got missed chances against him. Yep. Yep. Well, or he's or they just can't see him, or he just yeah. pops back into invisibility. It's really cool. Definitely a fun archetype, but it's very shadow themed, which I think is funny because Kyron was very shadow themed because of his shadow weapon, yeah. his gloom blade, and then I brought in Kind of unknowingly another (laughs) shadow-themed character, but uh, too edgy for me. Yeah. But Garrity doesn't... I feel like I don't play Garrity as like an edgy character, really. No, it would be extraordinarily
0: easy to make Garrity super edgelord, just because the dampier, the, the archetype, where he's from, I mean... We're looking at a perfect storm situation. Yeah. Yeah. However, you flavor him as like this Irish man, kind of like an IRA soldier doing the yeah, yeah. doing the, the revolution kind of thing. Um,
1: I like him a lot. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. He's a cool character. We'll see where he goes. He's just picked up an oath bow, mm-hmm. which we've kind of reflavored a little, a little bit, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Whispers to people. Swift deaths to my enemies. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: That's the oath bow, not not Garrity. No. Does Does Garrity have an alignment? Garrity is chaotic good, believe it or not. Really? Kyron right. uh, was true neutral. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gar- Garrity follows the alignment of his deity, and I think it requires being good to be. I mean, not not technically or anything, but I think just in general for a person to be fighting for this resistance, this whispered song, probably a good aligned character. Yeah. And you know, chaos. Just given the resistance aspect of everything, but but it follows with what the Black Butterfly is about.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to see where this goes. Obviously, story of There's Probably more though. than you know about Garrity. In
1: oh yeah. The game. Yeah. I,
0: I I know. I don't. My character does not have detect alignments. <laughs> this was a pointed question, just because yeah. I'm curious. It was funny. We went around the table uh, when we were playing earlier, um, or a couple day a couple nights ago. And everyone's like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And I was, and my character is chaotic neutral. And I was like, wow, I'm the bad guy here. I mean, not bad, but. What,
1: I'm the bad guy over here? (laughs) Am I the baddie?
0: I'm the baddie, I guess. (laughs) Or at least the closest to. But on that note, unless there's anything else you wanted to say? I think we should hop into a real baddie. That's where we're going here. So we've been building this baddie up for, I don't know, four or five episodes at least Yes, yeah it's been a
1: couple just because you guys have been in herkstag for a little while yeah so
0: the hot topic right now is the wraith of herkstag griffin we're about to do a creature feature and i need to know everything about this character people just heard us take this guy down yeah what's the deal all right the deal
1: is this and you're really gonna be pissed at me
0: i'm sure i will be
1: uh, so, the Wraith of Hergstag is, as written, Yep, just a Wraith. Okay. Nothing special. Okay. So, just a Wraith has a AC and touch AC of 18. I didn't change that. 47 HP, I buffed him to 57, kind of advanced template without giving him the AC boost, because I wanted you guys to be able to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Quartitude 6, Reflex 4, Will 6. I didn't change that at all. Still Incorporeal. That makes sense. Still has a 60-foot fly speed. Still has a plus 6 Incorporeal Touch that deals 1d6 negative energy damage and 1d6 Conjuring. None of that was changed.
0: Okay, so far I'm not upset.
1: So, a Wraith and he had these special abilities create spawn. So a humanoid slain by a wraith becomes a wraith in 1d4 rounds. I was really gunning to kill one of you guys would have been a blast. Yep. Uh, these spawn are less po- powerful than typical race. So you guys encountered the race spawn, you know, this, they were actually written into trial of the beast, but normally they would just take a minus two penalty on all D 20 rolls and checks receive two less, HP for hit die, so like 10 less health, and only drain 1d2 points of con on touch, which the children did. Yep. They're also under the command of the wraith and are commanded by him until their death, upon which point they become full-grown wraiths.
0: Okay. That part
1: I didn't lie about. Yep. The children would have become full-grown wraiths had you killed the wraith first. Griffin, I'm still not mad. Um, They have life sense, Which is why they were able to... It could perfectly notice where you were even when it was underground and that kind of thing. Life sense is equivalent to blind sight. Mm -hmm. So it's it's pretty powerful ability. But that's also why they can see you without the eyes. Yeah. They have that sunlight powerlessness, which I think we've talked about. We talked about it with the Lopper and we talked about it with kids. Alluded to it in in game. Yeah. Um, So these are the things that... I wrote in mm. that fear aura and panic aura were not in the spawns or the wraith. I added them. I'm going home, <laughs> but I thought they made for much more interesting combats. I, I, you know what? I mean, I won't disagree with that. I, th-
0: I, it, it changed the the script of the encounter for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think a lot of encounters end up bogging down and being the same thing. People plant right like, next to
0: each other and wail yeah. on each other to like, so for full attacks. And, and stuff. I just
1: feel like we've gotten in such a cool groove in the last, maybe 10 episodes where it's been like, we had that manacore fight that was all over the place and like yep. using environment and all that kind of cool shit. And like now these encounters, like, You have everybody splitting up and like 1v1ing stuff and like nobody can get to each other.
0: There was was a point in one of the encounters where I think three people were running each in separate directions. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you saved Ikmer in this fight from running for five rounds, which was a clutch move. So I added that in and then, and that was kind of like, I flavored it with the bees for the wraith, but with the children, it was just kind of like a fear aura Mm -hmm. that they could do for 30 feet. And it was the same save. I put it as the same save as their drain. Sure. So for the children, it was 15 for the wraith. It was 17 or 18. But you got the bonuses against, like, fear effects and stuff. So when Lyra was singing and you, when you were protecting from evil, you guys still got a cumulative yeah. plus four on that, which was very helpful for the crew. Certainly. Uh, the other thing I added was I allowed a once-per-day ability 15-foot cone um, where the—because he was flavored in the book as having these bees, and you guys kind of found that out when he died, like, how he died. Uh-huh. Very Nick Cage-esque. Oh, love I— that had the bees come off in a fifteen foot cone and what I did differently was I didn't do the touch attack. I made it two saves at the same DC. Yep. At the same DC as the um as the conjuring. So I had you do a reflex and then a will. And if you saved both or you saved one, you were fine. The issue was two of you missed yeah. both saves. But it it did the drain to everybody, so I don't think that was like a game breaking one, but it was definitely a way to get a couple people drained down to make it a little more tense at the end there.
0: No, and I, I'm I guess I'm I don't think I'm too mad about that. Like first of all, if you're putting in the flavor of this bee swarm, why would you not mechanically do something with that? That's what I think. Yeah. I think
1: I think every GM should feel okay within reason, and and look at your look at your monster creation tables and stuff to make sure that it's not adding like three CR or something to the encounter, but <laughs> yep. like within reason add something that's flavorful because you know, this Wraith as described is not a normal Wraith, but had mm-hmm. nothing in the stat block to say that it wasn't, it was just yeah. a regular Wraith. I mean, you, you you tell me that I'm wrong, but if
0: this were a regular Wraith and we were fighting regular Wraithlings all throughout this, this town, we would have just steamrolled this. It wouldn't be fun. I, I don't think it would be fun, to, particularly fun to yeah. play or per- particularly fun to listen to. It
1: would have been boring. I think the the when when you got the two wraith spawns on you, they uh-huh. would have worn you down for drain the same way. The only thing changed about them was the once per day fear yeah. aura they had. Yeah. Yes, that impacted the one combat, but honestly, I didn't even use it in the first three and you still took six points of con drain.
0: Right, but I... I, I I also think that that was kind of the right move that once we got comfortable fighting the wraithlings, then you pull out a new special ability that we haven't seen before. And you look at Haley,
1: Emily Brooks and my faces around the table. We're like, what the
0: fuck? Where did this come from? Well, and I
1: love it because I think Brooks had mentioned on maybe the zone of truth, like right before that episode uh-huh. that he hated fear effect. Yep. yep. Like, <laughs> he did. He yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm bringing it in once and what? Yeah, once we fi- once we thought we figured out these character, or these uh, these creatures, we didn't. But I, I I had fun with that. Honestly, I said I was gonna walk out of the room, but I don't think I will. I think I'll stick around for at least the rest of the episode. I didn't think
1: it was too egregious, and, no. and you know, you the listener know that I have kind of a penchant for doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I did it with the Splatter Man yep. and that kind of stuff. Like I'll just. When it seems flavorful enough, I'll add it, and if it's too powerful, I'll gimp them in another way. So, tends to be that way. I I just like them to be a little more cinematic. Would I have felt bad if I killed one of you with the bee swarm? Probably, but (laughs) I would have probably never said that wasn't on the stat block then. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) I'm kind of
0: glad that you brought up a character death here, because... I don't want to say that I was ready for Matumbe to die, but with as much combat, or, I, whoa, as much Conjuring as I had going into this fight, I knew it was a possibility. And start in starting that combat, you know, this is a combat that we've been hyping up for several episodes now. We get into it. I'm going to give it my all, but there was a real possibility that I was going to die, and when we got to the end and then there was the, the bee swarm, I saw victory in sight, and I mm-hmm. just didn't want to die. It, yeah. it, it, was, it was it was weird. I had a I had a complete emotional turn from the beginning of the combat where I was like, okay, I've come to terms with this. I'm ready. If if this is the way Matumbe goes, it makes sense or another character goes, it kind of makes sense. This is a, a a big bad of this little town we've been hyping it up for a while. But then when we got close, if Matumbe or anybody else died, I would have been real let down because I knew we had it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you had been saving on those drains like one after another i think you made four saves oh there's an alternate timeline out there where matumbe is dead yeah because it was again like dc 17 or 18 yeah uh and you made and uh, you got by with a little help from your friends for a lot of them because i attacked you when you were in the group and you were like well i get a plus two or a plus three to this because everybody's next to me i it's i think it's completely unintentional
0: but with all of these backstories and how the way this story is unfolding. I think that's becoming a theme of this show, like the camaraderie and the teamwork and the friendship, even though that we have different objectives and different motives, you know, Eclipse's entire character is about keeping her friends close. Emily, she leaves the party for a little bit. We split the party. She gets attacked. She knows every time she
1: walks away from the group cluster. I just (laughs) destroy her.
0: She knows she's got to stay close. Matumbe mechanically should stay close to everybody because I've got that, um, shake it off feet.
1: Yeah. Ikmer bodyguard. Ikmer yeah, bodyguard within arm's length. You know, we're,
0: we're one by one getting corrupted and have different objectives and motives and stuff. But we, re- we rely on each other a little more than we might think.
1: Yeah, I think so. And that was the wraith of Herkstag. Can the
0: wraith see without eyes?
1: You like, can. That's the that's life the sense. life sense. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's the one question I wanted to ask. Like before he killed the kids, what happened?
1: Okay, so this is a little bit my flavor, a little bit what's in the book, um, and I'm not going to give too much away because you're going to find it out. Still, mo- still more to learn, but because of his eyes being stabbed out, he ripped the eyes out of the children when he killed them. Yep, and collected them, and you could kind of make that out with the 12 eyes in his stomach or in his like kind of when he opens up his ghostly robe. One of my favorite cinematic moments from this podcast so far
0: opens up his robe, 12 eyes, finish your drinks. We'll see you next week. (laughs) I thought
1: that was cool shit. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'll just say this. He in life, like preyed on children as well. So that's why. Oh, Cool. That's that's why it, it transcended death. Yeah. You were spot on, like as Matumbe, when you said, this must have been like a malcontent or something to die this way. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, not
0: a good person.
1: You don't come back as a wraith instead of a ghost if, if you weren't a piece of shit. As yeah. evidenced by the lopper.
0: <laughs> and on that note... Griffin, is there anything else you want to talk about with this wraith? No, I think
1: we we covered mechanically pretty much how he
0: worked. Okay, well, I'm satisfied, but there's a lot of people out there that have questions for us, and honestly, there were a lot of people out there that had questions for you, specifically. Now's the time. Now's the time. So, I've been sitting on quite a few questions from our list of master questions that we get from everybody, mostly pulled from our Discord. Guys... Ask us more questions. We love them. That's how we keep Zone of Truth going because we got things to talk about. Anyway, there's been a few I've been sitting on because they are very GM specific and more importantly, Griffin specific. We're just going to hop into them. You cool with that? Yeah, dude. All right. It's time for it. So our first question comes from one of our best buddies on the discord. You know, him. you love him. Really, I'm just talking to Griffin. People at home probably don't know him that well. (laughs) Uh, But this guy is Buster Knuckle, a.k.a. Blister Lister. Question for the zone of truth. How much prep work does Griff do to prepare for regular sessions and also the evil interludes?
1: All right, so I'll start with the regular sessions, and I want all current and future GMs out there to take this with an extreme grain of salt, and I'll explain why. I usually spend double the time that I think the session's going to last prepping for it. So if it's a hour long session, I'll prep two hours and, and we're lucky in that we have our sessions in kind of smaller chunks. Lets me spread the prep work out a little bit, but the only reason I'm able to do any of that is because I've already immersed myself in the book. I've already storyboarded each of these characters. So I know when I want the story beats to hit, I'm not like prepping and seeing where that's going to happen. I know, I know where I'm going to bring the Nethalgu in. I know where I'm going to bring, you know, Ikmar's Wolfy backstory in. I know those pieces. So I don't have to prep those pieces. The most I'm really doing when I'm prepping these things is prepping the combats and the maps. And fortunately we have a digital map. So that doesn't even require much prep anymore. I'm reading through the stuff that I need to read through that day and for me it's not a first read through it's a refresher and it's a hey we're doing a trial tomorrow I'm gonna write opening statements I'm gonna write you know I'm gonna write what the prosecutor and what the defendant are gonna say I'm gonna write what the judge is gonna say I'm gonna write all that out so that I have it so that I kind of have a gist of where I want to go with it but as far as what evidence is permissible in court and that kind of stuff, I already know. Yeah. I know what they're allowed to have. I know, what, I know what the DCs are for the diplomacy checks based off of the magnitude of their new information that they're bringing to the trial. I know all of these things. And it's because I read ahead. And it's because I read double ahead. And it's because I continue to read ahead. <laughs> and that's the only reason you can keep up with it. Now... If you're not running a podcast, like we are, and you have very understanding players, don't fucking do all that. Like, you don't have to. You can, you're smart, you can read in five minutes what, like, you're supposed to be going over, and nobody's going to be pissed because you guys go on tangents all the time at a table, so to give the GM five minutes to get his bearings is not a big deal. I think for us and it goes back to what I talked about earlier I don't want to be here flipping through pages I don't want to be here doing any of that I want to have a rock solid foundation where I'm bringing all of this up and bringing this to, to the show and I don't want to have to go back I don't want to have to reference my notes I have them here and I hardly ever look down at them but that's what I feel like is required for a podcast If I was running this for you guys at the table, fuck yeah, I'd be, like, referencing my notes and referencing the book and all that shit. Yeah, I get it. For the evil interludes, though. Tell me about them. That's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) And I think as excited as I am to be doing those more frequently, and I'm really excited if we get a little bit more Patreon money, I think that's our plan. Yep. They're, They're work. And I always... Under promise and over deliver in terms of how long they take to get through. Oh God! And everyone, I, everyone in the group will tell you this, but I say, oh yeah, two sessions, no problem. Twenty minute adventure. <laughs> in and out, in and out, We're in good. and out. Uh, yeah. And then, was... and then we end up releasing five episodes for Christmas because we recorded all fucking day. I was, I was gonna say, Halloween
0: was bad, which but you didn't know Christmas behind the scenes, was though. so much
1: worse, which you didn't know behind the, the scenes. Of all of that, though, was that that shit was, like, an entire weekend of prepping it. Oh, I'm like, it's like, you know, all of that. I totally believe that. Preparing the fucking Home Alone house and the exact schematics and all of that and all the traps go into that. Like, homebrew, and God bless you folks that do homebrew. I like to go off the rails and do homebrew, but... An entire adventure in homebrew, you either got to be riding by the seat of your pants or you got to be working. It's got to be like a job. Yeah. And I feel like with the evil interludes, I couldn't be riding by the seat of my pants because I needed it to tie in. I needed all of it to tie in to, to what we're doing, and I still need it to tie in. And so whenever we do an evil interlude, I'm spending a fuck ton of time on that. Yeah. You've got I, – I, I mean – Regardless of this as
0: a homebrew, we're taking this into the actual story. This all this everything that happens in the evil interlude is 100 percent canon. Yeah, it's canon. We've, you've got Igmer's dad showing up. You've got um it was Eclipse's parents, correct?
1: Yeah. All that stuff. You got Nana Opal killing Eclipse's mom. Yep. Which fed right into the flashback for Eclipse in episode one. Which I feel like does not get enough credit. Like people don't <laughs> talk about how people important don't talk that about is. how uh People don't talk about Haley's this. Haley's character killed Haley's other character's mom. Yep.
0: <laughs> People don't talk about this.
1: I don't understand why. Maybe they will
0: now. Maybe nobody figured it out. I guess so. But yeah. So you and and correct me if I'm wrong. You've never homebrewed anything before, correct?
1: Honestly, yeah. No, uh, not not before the evil interludes, really. I We're, mean, I've already I've always brought different aspects of kind of just a side quest or whatever into stuff I run. And I feel like I've been doing that in the in the Caring Crown campaign, yeah. but no, I've run I've run APs, man. Were you expecting
0: it to be as much work as it turned out to be to homebrew that stuff?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, 100%. You're so you were I was expecting forward. it to be more work. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I it's just because when I ideated over what I wanted it to be, I knew that was going to take time, and both times I hit what I wanted to run very quickly mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to be tough the next time we do an evil interlude is I don't really know where I want you guys to go yet Yeah, I don't know where I want you to go next And so I feel like That makes it difficult Tell me I'm wrong But I feel
0: like this is not For how how long the evil interludes become Is not 100% your fault Because We only get to play these I mean we've only played these characters twice In the last year When When we sit down To have an evil interlude, like we sat down for the Christmas one, you were very transparent with us. We're going to a party, and then we're going to have a fight. It's going to be two episodes. We're going to be done in two hours. Not a big deal. Or at least like two hours worth of recording with all the other bullshit thrown in. But it turned into five because we needed to have the scene up top where we got back together and chatted and we hadn't seen each other in a long time and saw a change. And there was changes to Nana's, Nana Opal's house. And Ed Turner had a new ceremony that he had debuted. And then between the ceremony and the actual, um, the actual combat, there was a whole night of the pale thing and saw. I had
1: prep for sl- that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I wanted that to happen,
0: but you know, basically we, Little peek behind the screens here. Griffin and I took a trip to Best Buy today, and we uh, had a lot of time to talk in the car, just the two of us. And that was kind of the. And we talked about the evil interludes, and I was like, you know, I I can't believe that these characters have such sticking power, but we've played them twice in a year.
1: I haven't. I told you is that it's because they're not what you normally play. Yeah, they're completely out of everybody's comfort zone. And that's why they stick. That's why they're so memorable to us, and I hope that they're as memorable to you guys because they're just not the kind of characters people play or get to debut or get to run in any fucking normal campaign besides maybe um, Hell's Vengeance or whatever. Yep. And even then, you're like a servitor to Cheliac. You're fucking lame. Be a real evil cult. Do something. So you said... Obviously, this stuff is
0: one hundred percent canon, and it ties back into the adventure path. Uh, who's the first character from the Evil Luna lude that's going to get tied into the uh, regular story, and when's that going to happen? I can't tell you because it's uh, happening soon. I thought, I thought I could get you. Oh, it's happening soon. I'll give you that much. Okay, okay. Fans at home, let's start seeing some uh, some some conspiracies. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, we got shit to get through. Next question This one comes from our great friend Who's our great friend? It's Neoxia Rio You know his Robin Now that you guys have been a podcast for a while Is there anything that you do Oh shit, I read this wrong Did that you would have did done differently that you would have done differently If you knew then what you know now that is
1: So what do we know now that we didn't know at the beginning? I would have relied on you guys a lot more at the beginning That's what, what does I- that mean? Um, I think at the beginning and I don't just think I know at the beginning I was over prepping and over stressing and I was at ed- I edited all of the episodes like through 12 before I even let anybody else touch one mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff now that we've opened it up and Haley and Brooks both edit and I edit the zone of truth episodes and it's just been such a good load off and it's much more healthy. than. And and you see it all the time. You see it with a ton of other podcasts like the GM is also the editor and the whatever and the whatever.
0: He's answering
1: everything on Twitter, answering everything on Instagram. And I was doing the same thing. I was like logging on to the Twitter. I was logging on to you know and I didn't have to because I had you guys and I just like wouldn't lean on you guys to do that shit. If you're running a podcast especially for the GMs out there like let your fucking players do shit. Let them let them do everything. You're you have the hardest job at the table. Let them take some of the stress off elsewhere. Let them do the social media. Let them do that like make a GM account. Be the GM like when when people ask questions that are directed towards the GM, point them towards the GM account. You can answer that. But like you don't have to have your hands in every fucking single thing. And I think it was just like So exciting and new that I couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it happened. Yeah. And I'm so much happier now for having loosened the reins and just been like, I trust you guys to edit it. I trust you guys to do whatever you have at it. Well, I I, I think
0: that's a good test for you. To make sure that your players have the same buy-in that you do. Because you're putting in a lot of work. I mean, we just talked about it in the last question. That it's not an insubstantial amount of work to get ready. Especially, you know, for a game. But especially something that you're pushing out to the entire world. But you want to make sure that the, the folks that are sitting around the table with you also care. And also, you know, are invested the way that you're invested in the game and the show. So, giving up some responsibility is... know, your test a little bit, I guess you could say to the folks around the table to see if they, you know, also want to give up their free time and put work in and do those kinds of things. You should be available to the fans and you are, you should be, you're right. Like the, the GM hideous account on Twitter, Yeah. like if they want to ask you a question being available, I think is very important. I think that's what makes our show kind of cool is that you can reach out to any of us or. Uh, go straight to the GM and get an answer to a burning question of yours. We'll answer it immediately, pretty
1: much. Um, yeah, it's not like I'm not active as fuck on the Discord. It's just that <laughs> now I, now looking back, I realize that I spent way too much time doing that and not enough time letting you guys do that because I think you guys doing that is just as valuable. You know what I mean? It's it's like valuable to have the whole party involved in one facet or anum- another and. Invested in that aspect, like I just looking at like where how far Brooks and Haley have come in editing, yeah, even, they've gotten so much better and and you know really good at it. Like they're they're probably better than I am at editing the episodes <laughs> at this point, and that wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't wouldn't have said okay, like this is getting to be a bit much,
0: and and you have to do that for like your mental health, right? You don't need that. You, you're not doing this full time. You have a job and you have like, <laughs> <Right>. social responsibility. <laughs> we all friends. have jobs we and, all like, have things jobs. to do. Like you don't, you don't need that extra stress. Nobody needs that. No, no, no.
1: And I think there's no point in stressing out about something like this. Like this is fun. It shouldn't every, be work. Every time I think about past us, it was stress until we got to the fucking table and played. And then yeah. it was fucking fun. And I was like, this has to just be fun. This yeah. has to just be fun. Like the whole point of doing this is for it to be fun. It's not like we're like pulling down a salary off, <laughs> off of our, <laughs> you know, 30 Patreon subscribers, which we love and you guys keep the show going, but it, obviously it's not like a sustainable living. This is something that we do for fun Yeah, and it has to stay fun. And I think that's something that starting out, it took time to lean into
0: we had a we had a business meeting a very long time ago. This is a this is a good behind the scenes thing, where we were sitting around the gaming table and it was, it was I don't know maybe it was episode twenty or thirty or something. It was relatively young in our in our in our show. Yeah, it's probably twenty. Yeah, and we started talking about what we wanted to do and where we imagined the show going. And one of the things I said was the point that this stops being fun is the point we shut it down. Like we're we did we didn't go into this show. Um, with four friends that we met off of Craigslist or like four people across discord who met on a random server. Hi, we this- six voice actors, right <laughs> but it'd be critical role, right? Like I don't like we're friends first and a podcast second. And I'm sorry to the listeners who hear that, but like we are a, a friend group who has been very tight for a very long time. And I I've loved where the show's going and I have had so much fun, but I I, I would never, ever want to sacrifice our friendships or like us
1: hanging out to be a chore. Right. Right. And I think that's where I was coming from. Where It was like, it wasn't a chore when we hung out. Yep. And so we fixed the behind the scenes stuff. Robin, that's a really long, convoluted answer to your question. But realistically, it's if I could start over again, I would have. I would have started our state of the podcast business meetings up front, even though it wasn't a business at that point. And it's not really, it's like a fake business now, (laughs) but, but you know, we have concerns and we have people that we owe content to now that we didn't before, but I would have started that early off and I would have set the expectations and I would have delegated, delegated roles better. Because I think the second that we delegated the roles and it was like, Brooks, you're getting more active in editing. Steve, you're our PR guy. You're our compliance guy. You're going to, like, figure this shit out. You know, Haley, you're handling merch, and you're handling editing as well. Like, we brought all of that together, and things became easier.
0: Yeah. And And
1: Emily's the mama hen just figuring out if we're fucking up on social media, because she... If you're going to contact anybody on social media, it's probably going to be Emily because she's on all of them. That is true.
0: That is true. (laughs) But I think right now we're at a fairly happy spot where things were going great. Then, you know, people started to get stressed out. And once we established roles, established responsibilities, we got to where we want to be. And that would be our advice for anybody out there. That if you're doing something like this or, you know, even just in a friend's group that's playing Pathfinder... Delegate responsibilities. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to
1: talk to the people around your table about how you're feeling. Yeah. Right. If you're the GM and you're feeling overwhelmed and you're not recording this shit, that's still a big deal. Yeah. You should say, hey, you're my number two. Track initiative. Track yeah. you know, track no this. Track that. You're the note taker. Like pass those ab- the, those responsibilities around because it's going to make your life so much easier and it's going to make the game more fun for everybody, let alone recording a podcast. Well, we've, ra- we've waxed
0: romantic for a little while. We do that. We've, I know maybe, 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 there's something romantic happening between, between the two of us, Griffin. I don't know. Haley's not in the room. Speak your heart. Put Baker street on. Oh God. All right. All right. We're moving on. We're moving on. All right. Uh, our next question comes from a username that I can't hope to pronounce uh, I feel like he told us, too. Giuseppo? Giuseppo? Yeah, Giuseppo. Yeah. J-G-E-I-S-A-P-O. All right, Zone of Truth topic. I'd like to hear some discussion about the homebrewed or customized aspects of your playthrough. I'm not familiar with the AP, but I assume it's being embellished. So, we've already talked about the evil interludes, that they're their own thing. They're yep. pretty homebrew, but they're, tying, they're getting tied mm-hmm. in. Now, what has happened in the show itself, exclusive of the e- evil interludes, that's been homebrewed?
1: Cause I know there's something in there. Yeah. And hopefully you as fans don't take this as like hurting the integrity of carrying crown. Cause we are trying to play it relatively faithful, but I'm introducing <laughs> characters at completely different points than when they come in, in the AP, I'm bringing characters into completely different roles than they were in the AP. Hell you wouldn't know about Horace Croon until book four travesty. If, if I didn't change it up beyond that, and I'll talk more book one, because book two, I am changing some stuff up, but thus far is relatively faithful. Book one, none of the Antrellis stuff happens in Carrying Crown. The- is Antrellis even a character in Carrion no. Crown? Aranel's not a character. The fountain with the haunt doesn't exist. That is all stuff that is supposed to give you guys something to... In my mind, something to fucking do before you face dive into the prison at too low of a level.
0: So is is book one of Carrying and Crown* basically like the funeral, and
1: it's, then you go to? And- it's a funeral. A couple creepy things happen that are not combat. Uh huh. The town hall burns. Yep. And then you go to Harrison. Ridiculous. The the like V and shit getting painted in blood on the fountain exists. Sure, but. Other than that stuff, all of the rest of that is not in the AP. Yeah. And I think we're better for it. Oh, and, and Trellis the Mad became
0: Antrellis the Sane for the evil interlude. And I mean, Haley's always talking about Aaron now and it, it's, it's worthwhile for the show. It was a lot of fun jumping in, jumping basically straight into the prison. You're right. At too low of a level could have been fatal.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, it There's, still could enough, have been fatal. It's right. just, it's too... Not enough build-up. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, like, the research is supposed to be the biggest aspect of that. hmm Like, if you're in town time before you go out, and you're supposed to get XP for researching shit, but... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, listener, but Pathfinder Research, not really that riveting. or interesting <laughs> to listen to. 30 episodes of that before we dive into the prison. Let's go. <laughs> God could we have finished book one in 25 episodes probably I mean honestly but I don't really give a fuck about episode count or how long it takes us to get there because to me I feel like the story that we're developing is completely unique to anything we've anything anyone's done in in carrying crown and I love it for that you know And 32 episodes through book one? Yeah, that's kind of slow, but uh, you wouldn't have a ton of character development without it. Yeah, and at the end of the day,
0: we're not going anywhere. We got time.
1: We got six books to get through. We'll we'll take our time. We'll get there. Yeah, you can get mad at us when we spend a whole episode strategizing. How's that? You can at Griffin for that one. (laughs) By not pushing the party.
0: All right. Is there anything else you homebrewed and embellished about the campaign or, or would you like to move forward?
1: I mean, obviously all the evil interlude stuff, but hmm. you all know that the crooked kins involvement is a little embellished. Sure. Uh obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously everything with the Nathalgu is not in the book. Yeah. Which seems to be continuing to bite you guys in the ass. But as far as Lepid stat is concerned. Manicore is not supposed to have babies. Boom. Mic drop. I can't wait to see the forums after this. Oh God. Oh god.
0: People are gonna be livid. <laughs> I got one more question for you, and then we're about to move into the lightning round. Alright. This one comes from Jason. You guys know him. You guys love him. What's his uh what's his Twitter tag? What do you do? Is that what it's called? I think so. What do you do? What do you do? This guy is personally managing virtually Every Pathfinder AP out there, or actual play podcast, he's a absolute gem, and I cannot wait to hang out with him at Gen Con this year. Uh, but he asks at Horace Croon, that's Griffin on Discord, would you run Carrying Crown or any other AP without having all six books in hand first? Especially now that you know the book one of Carrying Crown has taken this many episodes, or. Would you still wait to make sure that you can lay down every plot hook and foreshadow possible? Just curious about your prep style.
1: Thanks. Yeah, man, I, for a podcast, you need six books, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. You need all the books because there are backstories in these players that tie in at book one. And there are backstories in these players that tie in at book five. You need all the books. Yeah. you need you just need to know the story arc of everything like I said about when I prep I don't have to prep a ton because I've prepped all of this before I've storyboarded each character and, and where they're going and, and where I think they're going and the three possible arcs or whatever that each one of them could take you can't have that without having the full story now I'll pivot here because in a home game yeah I don't I don't fucking care I could have book one of it I'll I'll play it and you know, I'll I'll set everybody aside and be like, okay, here's what book two's about. If you want any like hooks into your backstory or whatever going on here, talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. But for an actual play podcast, I just don't think it works without having the entire story, without having read through the entire story.
0: Yeah, I know I'll, I know a lot of book ones of Adventure Pass. You get to the very last page, and it like summarizes the adventure kind of book by book, yeah. what happens, but. You can't lay
1: good backstory off of that. No, I think it's a little telling that there aren't any Tyrant's Grasp podcasts out there. Yeah. Because book six maybe just dropped, and it's just not going to be a good good pod without it. You need
0: it. Yeah. You got, you got to plan ahead. If you're doing what we do, you got, you got to know where things are going.
1: Yeah, so that's what I would say, Jason, is just you need all the information in front of you, or you gotta be willing to homebrew a lot of extra stuff, which is okay too. But you should have homebrew plot hooks for everybody then if you're not gonna have the entire library of content. That would be a cool way around it. Just kinda if if all your players
0: know ahead of time that things are gonna be maybe a little unscripted that you're, you
1: let them know that there's going to be some homebrew stuff thrown in there and that's how they tie in. And I think that's, that's perfectly acceptable as well. Again, like we wouldn't have the evil interlude characters without homebrew and there are homebrew plot hooks in there for their characters because they're not following the AP, but for characters following an AP, I, I definitely prefer nine times out of 10 to have all of the books in the AP. There you have it, dude, Jason, you
0: heard from here. Now I need at horse croon. Oh, wait. I mean, Griffin, throw me a reflex save. Uh, no. Okay, fine. Because we're rolling into the lightning round. You know what it is. So this is the very last r- lightning round for all of the players. Who knows if we'll maybe do this kind of thing again. I don't know. But we've at least covered our bases now. So without further ado, here we go. First question, you know it. It's coming from the Wraith91. What's
1: everyone's favorite race, he clarified, for Pathfinder? Griffin, what's your favorite race? So, I have a special place in my heart for Gripley. They are the uh, frog people of Pathfinder. It's because it's the first Pathfinder character I ever made, ever rolled up, ever played. Really? Yep. What was that game? Uh, Eric ran it for us. It was like a module or something? Yeah, it was... uh, it was like a module, and and I was uh Gripley Zen Archer monk, and had a fucking blast playing him. Nice. Uh, his name was Toad Bias Frunk.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't believe I've never heard of this before.
1: Yeah, for all those Arrested Development fans. Oh, my God. But I just really like the Gripley. I mean, they... They're very rare yeah. in the Pathfinder setting, and, and they're have they're they, swampy they a- people.
0: Have they appeared in anything that you've done besides this character? No.
1: No? I don't think that I've ever run. That's funny. But they're, ah, jeez, I think they're dexterity and wisdom. Okay. And they might take the strength penalty. I'd have to double check. But, I mean, that was perfect for his Zen Archer monk, Dex and Wiz.
0: Yeah, that's all you need.
1: And he was, uh, he was a good character. I didn't roleplay him nearly as well as I roleplay my characters these days, but he was fun to play. Um, and kind of tied there is actually Vampires, because I, again, I love all of the horror aspects of Pathfinder in general. I know it's really hard to run a horror campaign at a, as a TTRPG, but I try my best. And the half-vampire race is just so sick to me I I like being the person that's like the odd man out can't heal from positive energy there's so many good hooks for that race and beyond that I think it's Blood of the Night Mm -hmm. is the supplement book for vampires. and I mean it gives you a bunch of alternate racial like plus and minuses. So you could be like Nosferatu born and get a different bonus than if you were Morori born or like Svetcher born. born. Iori born. <laughs> yeah. Uh so there there's all these different alternate and I and I like that about dampires. I like that about tieflings. I like that about Asimar. I like that about uh, skin changers is just the the flexibility of the race to have different racial bonuses and detriments that Basically, allow you to play that race as any class and not feel gimped. But. Underworld born. Underworld born. Kate Beck and Selborne. Kate Beck and So, vampires are a close second. I think they're really cool. They're really fun to roleplay. All right. That's a sufficient answer for me. Um, our next one comes from
0: Joe Bot. What's your favorite Pathfinder class in world?
1: Bard. Why? Bard. Why? because i really enjoy the versatility of a bard you can do a lot of different things with a bard you can be a melee bard you can be a ranged bard i think a lot you of stigma be, i think a lot of stigma bards is that you're just like a support character Tell right. me I'm wrong. and you can be a super support class you can uh-huh. be the best support class in the fucking game if you want to but you could be like an Aerosong Minstrel and be fucking crazy range DPS if you want to be. Mm-hmm. You can just buff yourself. You could be a Dawnflower Dervish and destroy shit in melee combat. doesn't fucking matter. what. However you want to play it. Are you just biased because of your Skull and Shackle game where you played a bard that was super effective? He was super effective. <laughs> I am kind of biased. Um, the characters I like to play, I think bards and investigators really fit this niche, is I don't like. And I kind of took a turn from this with Kyron, which we mm-hmm. talked about. I don't like being the player at the table that doesn't have a check for everything, that isn't able to roll for every skill. I like being the skill monkey class. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy getting to RP. I get to, I enjoy being the party face. And Bard is good at all of that on top of. Basically, making everyone else feel really good about all their decisions in melee because you can be like, like my bard in Skulls and Shackles, granting at level eleven a plus seven to hit and damage with his Inspire Courage. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, everyone's hitting a hundred percent of the time and dealing crazy damage, and I'm sitting in the back singing a song and slinging a couple spells, and that's okay for me because that's the kind of playstyle I like. I don't, I don't really care about the combat crunchiness or whatever I much prefer giving everybody else a bonus and kind of sitting back and being the captain of a ship you become everyone's favorite character to have at the table it's like when
0: when we're in Return of the Rune Lords and Emily's Bet doesn't sing to inspire courage and everyone's like come on what the hell (laughs) come on (laughs) yeah absolutely the the one we want the most around going Um, let's keep this thing moving I've got some opinions on the next uh, on the next answer, but All this right. one comes from Florida Man. What class and race most accurately align with who you are in real life?
1: That's a good question. Mm-hmm. You said you have some
0: thoughts. I got some thoughts. All right, yeah. go ahead. Well, I know, I know, I know. I said last week or last time we recorded that I would be a bard. I also think you've got fairly high charisma. I'd probably put you closer, though, in the scalds territory. To the scald, (laughs) Because let me tell you, everybody at home, that when this man gets going on the Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone, or Africa by Toto, or any song by Aelstorm, he inspires the rage. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely
1: true. Tell me I'm wrong, Griffin. Uh, You're not wrong there. Scald's a good pick. Um myself, I would have placed myself as a Scald or Blood Rager. So okay. you kinda had me. Yeah. yeah. You, you had me in there. And I think for race, I'm gonna go maybe dwarf, maybe halfling. Okay.
0: Yeah, I was thinking like maybe like a bugbear or something, but that's a cool. A
1: bugbear is good. Yeah, I take bugbear. I'll take bugbear all day. Bugbear uh bugbear scald. That's uh that's coming up in the next homebrew. <laughs> Griffin the bugbear scald. I meant that as an insult, but you just appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I, it. Love I don't it. know what to do. I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you, you just going to hear you heard it here, folks. Bugbear scald. Bugbear scald. That's what Griffin's playing <laughs> next time we do something. All right. Got a couple left for you. Our buddy Rusted Chrome. You know him as Orion. We know what our players like to drink. But when the opportunity presents itself, what do our PCs drink?
1: Alright, so let me just think. How many how many characters have I played in yeah, this? Yeah, this is a this is an out there question. I'll list for a you. couple. I'll All list right. a couple of uh notable NPCs and what they'd be drinking. I think this won't come as a surprise to anybody that's listened to the show, but Horace Kroon. Would be drinking milk when it's non-alcoholic and white sure. Russians when it is. Or what do you call a person from Irisin? White Irisins. He'd white be drinking witch? those. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess. He'd be drinking those if that's the equivalent of a white Russian in Galarian. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty standard for him. Zulkar uh, Elkarid. I think that man drinks whiskey, probably Dwarven whiskey. Yeah, nothing top shelf. No 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 no. no. no Zokar no. probably drinks anything. Actually, I think he pulls out the top shelf cuz he he owns a bar, he owns right. a bar.
0: I, he probably understands top shelf and will treat himself, but like he's a you know, he's a, he's a man of the people. I don't like, think he drinks top shelf by himself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If he's impressing someone or he's got somebody who maybe not he's trying to impress somebody, but like if he's got like a good buddy in town or like if Ikmer yeah. comes back, he's going to pull out the bottle. That like has no label on it from under the bar. That's like yeah. super expensive, cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But if he's just hanging out throwing a couple back, it's cheap whiskey.
1: Yeah, but I think he drinks whiskey instead of vodka. I know a lot of people would think like with the kind of Russian-y accent he'd drink vodka, but I think he's a whiskey dude. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think Seymour Seymour Wiener, Yep. AKA Troll Blood. Yep. I think he's drinking a lot of what. We've been drinking here. I think he drinks stout beer. I think Imperial stout. I think he he takes the highest ABV stout and chugs it to the face. Ugh. He's that kind of character. I think he's just so big. Like a, a stout is to his tolerance probably like a light beer. <laughs> I mean he's eight feet tall, man. Yeah. He's huge. Taller than Matumbe, absolutely. And um I actually wanted to bring Pavlos the the cleric of Pharasma
0: you guys just met as as of this recording has not been released to the world but by the time you guys hear this you guys will have hear will have heard him i think that's gonna be a fan favorite character i really do like
1: pavlos um stop your bullshit Ickmer <laughs> i think pavlos would drink white wine yeah i think that's that's the kind of i mean he's like I mean, reminiscent of how Matumbe is. He's like a you know very clean shaven, like shaved head, mm-hmm. like kind of feels like he's too good for the second shift kind of guy. And I I definitely think he drinks white wine. Can I put you on the spot for a second? Yeah. What about Starl and the girls? Oh, Starl and the girls get lit to a bunch of sp- spritzers. <laughs> yes, Starl and the girls. Uh, except, um. Well, Starl drinks vodka. I could see that. Garrow drinks like the the skinny girl. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Um, And Flitch actually drinks peyote, absinthe and peyote. Oh my! She would be fun to introduce. Can't wait for that. Think um, Madame Trelawney is that how you say it from Harry Potter, the divination professor?
0: Yeah. Trelawney or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Think her. That's Flitch.
0: Oh, all right. I'm into that. I'm excited. That'll be fun. Yeah. We've got one last question for you, Griffin. All right. This one. Wait, shit. Maybe the last question didn't come from, from Rusted Chrome.
1: Yeah, the last one was from Ryan, which shit. is not Rusted Chrome. Well, I fucked that up pretty bad. You
0: blew it, dude. Why didn't you call me out on
1: that? I missed it.
0: All right. I've been drinking. That was a... Oh, yeah. I'm pretty fucking drunk i don't know who yeah so yeah ryan was the last question sorry this is the fifth time i can't believe we screwed it up on the fifth time you've done blew this it, Steve. i blew it um i i guess i got thrown off because you took the reins last time you know oh, yeah. just yeah it's been a while since i ran this show all right so this final quest- question came from the actual rusted chrome if you could pick any comic book or movie hero slash heroine or villain slash villainess to take your character's spot in the game who would it be and why I'd also like to hear Griffin's voice <laughs> as well and finally we can hear it so let's go
1: I think I'm I'm gonna do the same thing I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple NPCs through this but if you guys remember Captain Caleb from the Crooked Kin the leader of the Crooked Kin he is 100% based off of Captain Spaulding from the Z- Rob Zombie movie universe there's a there's a new one coming out
0: three steps to hell or something yeah dude
1: three away from hell I don't know
0: there's there's a new Rom Zombie movie with him in it. We have yep. to see it. Yeah, oh yeah. Maybe we should maybe we should review it on the show. I don't know. I'm into it. Yeah.
1: Captain Spaulding is back. Yeah. So he is and, and those of you in the Discord, uh, depending on how long you've been there, probably were even there for this conversation, but uh I based him on Captain Spaulding as much as I could. I actually based the um the, the main justice of the trial off of the judge and my cousin Vinny. Hmm. So, <laughs> so that you know, my cousin Lyra would would make sense, yep. And that's a superhero for sure. Well, he said from movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is also Judd from Pet Cemetery, which is one of my mm. favorite characters ever. Sometimes
0: dead is better, and in the remake of Pet Cemetery, Judd drinks her hams.
1: But he was drinking Bud Heavies in the original, which that's is the true. only one that matters.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: So that's a couple of characters that I've, that I've based off of movie characters, kind of. Obviously, Seymour is is supposed to be like a shitty Arnold impersonation, yep. which, you know. <laughs> you, all, you all saw that coming. You all saw that coming. Get to the bedroom. No. <laughs> oh, God, No. <laughs> We're not playing uh, fuck Mary Killigan, again. But I really want to do Horace. Yep. And I think this ties in, Rusty Chrome more with your comic book slant to this question. I think Horace would be Stan Lee as he's depicted in the Marvel Cinematic universe. Really? So think about this. The way I've been playing Horace. I mean, he's an old man. Stan Lee's an old man. Honestly, Stan Lee could probably step in as Horace. Uh, you know, he might be who I cast as Horace. Oh no, he died. He did, but you know, posthumously, we'll use the hologram, <laughs> the Carrie Fisher. <laughs> but Stan Lee in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in like a ton of different roles, mm-hmm. a ton of different places, always the right place at the right time, talking to extramental beings, like talking. He's doing all of this stuff. And he's breaking the fourth fucking wall. And that's what Horace does, man. Yeah. Horace breaks the fourth wall. He shows up on a pony behind Ickber and Lero, and they're on their own. Like, it's just like he's interjected in the show at all these different points. I think Stan Lee from the Marvel Cinematic Universe fits him perfectly.
0: You guys thought that when we did Horace jokes, that that was just uh, an aside thing. Not canon. But no, wait. He, he's actually there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Horace is everywhere.
0: Oh my god. We're not even supposed to meet him yet for like another year and a half. Yeah, book what four, he, baby. But he's
1: everywhere. He's everywhere. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh. So I think. Yeah, Horace Stanley, uh, the other two are who I base them off of. And and Seymour, you know, obviously. Odd I don't think that's the last we've seen of Seymour Wiener. Oh, I, I actually will I think say that. There's more the, to see of Seymour Wiener. There is. Yeah. That's why he's not just Seymour. Oh. Uh, I will say the lopper is based off of the Joker. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, it's he's pretty, he, pretty sure. transparent where that voice is kind of coming from. And I think I, his mannerisms are relatively similar to m- maybe not like Heath Ledger Joker, but like Cartoon Joker.
0: Griffin, have you ever played Arkham Knight? I haven't. So, you know, this game came out a very long time ago. So, you know, spoiler warning for a game that came out like five years ago. But in Arkham City, the Joker dies. And and then in Arkham Knight, which canonically takes place afterwards. I'm actually replaying the game right now, but batman is like kind of crazy you know he's seen some shit yeah and he's he goes through the game and joker is with him constantly just providing like a commentary oh shit like you know you'll you'll grapple up a building and joker is just sitting on top of the building looking pretty and then he says something witty and disappears and like he's he is always with you through that game even though he's long dead that's a lopper yeah man he's just always there you know, plucking away at at Eclipse and you know saying bad things in her ear, and it's it's that Arkham Arkham uh, Arkham night Joker.
1: Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Haven't seen it, but I guess I stole it.
0: <laughs> it's 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 very uncanny. You'd you'd appreciate it. But Griff, that's all I had planned for today. All right, man. Are you excited for Junk and Discord late tonight,
1: dude? Yeah, I'm very hyped. Yeah, I... Just have to get our audio equipment set up. I know. I'm looking forward to it. You know,
0: we got, a, we got a lot of things ahead of us coming up soon. We're going to Gen Con.
1: We're going to Gen Con. Maybe some new stuff down the pipe this year It's still.
0: That's right. You know, it's 2019. The Friday of Gen Con. Meet up with us at Kilroy's in Indy. APM, baby. That's right. Be there, be square. That's right. Have a couple drinks. I've heard that they have tons and tons of different uh, long islands available for purchase so we're gonna get really fucked i thought up. you were gonna say they have tons and tons of hams god i wish <laughs> i don't think so but i wish so meet up with us at kill it'd be a fun time if you're going to gen con
1: yeah yeah and if you're in the midwest and you're not going to gen con fuck it just come to Indy for a night
0: <laughs> yeah i mean for real though like if you're around just show up. There's going to be a lot of really cool people there. Jason's going to be there. How cool is that? How neat is that? That's awesome. All right. Well, Griffin, I had a lot of fun hanging out with you today.
1: Did you enjoy doing this? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I like to be uh, behind the questions for once. What
0: are we, we gonna month. What are we gonna do next time? We're We're done with this bit of doing people one at a time. We got We got We got to get some more people on here or something. Yeah, we're just gonna jerk each other off for another hour and a half. I guess so. That would be. That'd be, that'd be good content. Par for the course. The Patreon subscription
1: skyrocket.
0: Okay, we're going <laughs> home. We're going home. What do you want to, what do you want to tell the people, Greg?
1: Oh, guys, I love you. Thanks for listening to me to ramble through a bunch of these questions. I hope they were informative or just interesting to listen to, but really appreciate you guys listening. And just appreciate you as people. Please hit us up. If you have any other questions, especially for me, hit me up. Just at me. I'm happy to answer GM questions. Or if you're playing Carrion Crown, I'm happy to help you run through it. Because at this point, we're a little deep in it. If you're thinking about starting, you know. More than happy to provide the the good things I've done and the pitfalls, as it were.
0: Well, Griffin... I think you'll be happy to know that you did succeed your reflex save. Additionally, you also succeeded your will save. Nice. So no con drain for you. Oh, I did it. You made it out of the zone of truth.
1: Well, with that then, I think you guys need to finish your drinks because we'll see you in two weeks. Later.